This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and good evening. Welcome to the show. Radio has always been a friend to families, much more so back in the 30s and 40s prior to television. Every night after dinner, or like now during dinner, uh, whole families would gather around their radio, some disguised as huge pieces of furniture, uh, Philco's, uh, the RCA, Atwater, Kent, Crosley, and, and Zenith, to name a few radios. It doesn't really matter the size or the style. What was important is what came out of those speakers well, families ate up what other families were doing on the radio. Classic example, Ozzy and Harriet, a real-life family that played on the simple problems of everyday life and made a half hour of enjoyment for their audience. Ozzy Nelson was a pretty busy guy. He split music duties with Billy May, as well as being one of the producers of the show. And they had sponsors like International Silver Company, H.J. Hines Company, and Lambert Pharmaceutical Listerine. Now, in tonight's episode, Harriet has been worrying a lot lately, and Ozzy, in his own sweet way, tries to help. Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive? What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS. Ordinary citizens who to this question answered, yes. This is Cloak and Dagger. Black Warfare. Espionage. International Intrigue. These are the weapons of the OSS. Today's story, The Brenner Pass, is the story of an American engineer who single-handed cut off the escape of part of the German army in Italy from onrushing American troops. The Brenner Pass is suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington files of the Office of Strategic Services. A story that can now be told. No, Padre, I don't want it. Ecco, qualche cosa bene. Drink, drink this filio mio. It will warm your inside. I, I want to talk to you. I, I want to uh, tell you. Drink this first. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm so tired. Rest then. So, so tired. Rest. You, you won't give me away, will you? You'll hide me if the Germans come, won't you, Padre? 
Well, won't you? You came to me, my son, because you knew I'd give you sanctuary. Any man has sanctuary in this house. Yes, I yes, have taken but... an oath, Filio mio. Anything you tell me, only God and I will witness. And if I had not taken this oath, I still would not give you away. Thank you, Father. You are an American. That much you have told me. Do you want to tell me more? Or do you want to sleep first? No, no. It is better you sleep first. I'll sit beside you. I won't leave. No. No, Padre. I want to tell you there may not be much time. I have a feeling that time is running out for me. Yes. My name was Donald Harper. I say was because somehow I don't feel as if I have a name anymore. When you're tracked down and hunted, you're not a human being. There's no past or future. There's just the present, and you run. So much has happened in a few weeks that it's hard for me to remember. Remember back from this morning when you found me unconscious on the steps of the chapel. Back to the morning I was sent on my mission. November 12th, 1944. Captain Harper, I'm well aware of everything we have to gain if this scheme of yours succeeds. You still think it's just a scheme, eh, Colonel? I don't have to think. I know what your chances are of actually getting through to the Brenner Pass and blowing up that highway. And I know what'll happen to you if the Italian fascists or the German police get you. I know a couple of things, too, Colonel. One of them is the country up there in the mountains. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I nearly broke my neck half a dozen times when I was a kid climbing the rocks around my grandmother's hut. And just before the war, I took a trip from the States to see her again. I skied over every inch of that mountain near the Brenner Pass. Colonel, I know I can do it. We've been through this before, Harper. I'm aware of everything in your favor. Your knowledge of the country. The fact that you were an engineer before the Just war. Just but... give me supplies. Some TNT, an Italian uniform, and some phony papers in case I tangle with the fascisti. It's all I need, Colonel. I tell you, I can do it. It's true. If that highway to the Brenner Pass could be destroyed, it would take the Germans months to repair it. It would cut off one of their retreats out of Germany. Of in course. The... Now, we'd have them where we want them when the American armies advance. Their backs to the mountains and no way up. That's it. That's it. Your permission, Colonel. Please let me try it. Uh, you say your grandmother's hut is right near your objective? Yes, sir. I'll give you names to memorize of other partisans in the mountains who might help you on the way. I'll have all the supplies you requested and you can leave. Uh... From the beginning, Padre, I had bad luck. It snowed during most of the 40-mile journey... And it was difficult for me to move quickly. And the longer it took me, the more chance I had of being discovered. Then it came. You know what a storm is like here in the mountains. How it can blind you and throw you against the rocks. 
when it was all over, I realized what had happened. I had been thrown off my course. But that wasn't the worst of it. My knapsack was gone. All my supplies. And the packet with papers the OSS had forged for me. I had no identification now. And no food. But I still had the TNT for the highway near Ampezzo. There is a tavern, Padre, not far from Parola. It wasn't sheer recklessness, but desperation that made me go in there knowing I had no papers. Knowing the tavern catered to Nazis and fascisti. Knowing the rucksack on my back was filled with explosives. But there was no other place for miles, and I had to get food or I couldn't go on. Come, Doggy, tell us more of the story. Oh, well, as I've already told you, she was fat and prima donna. Some uh, bread and cheese, if you have it, and some coffee, black. Very strong. If you have it, please. See? Where is the beer I order? Bring it faster if you know what's good for you. Yes, see, 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 fast. Bring it faster if you know what is good for you. See, see, coming right away. I tried to make myself as inconspicuous as possible. I hoped the Germans would continue to be amused by the Italian girl and not ask to see my papers. I had nearly frozen in the snow a half hour before. Now the sweat broke out all over my forehead. Pay attention to her, I kept praying. Watch her, watch her. Don't even look my way. Here you are, senor. Cheese, bread, coffee. Oh, grazie. It is here. I have it here, right here. Oh, that soldier must be important to be served first. Come here, soldier. Come over here and tell us how important you are. I, I'm not important at all. Forgive me. The, the waiter should have served you first. He's right. He's not important. Come, come. Take a sip of my beer for me. It will make it taste better. No, no, no. Let the soldier have beer with us. No, no. Poor soldier. He's all alone. Buongiorno. Come and have some beer with us, soldier. No, I... I... Grazie, signorina. I... I will just finish this coffee and, and then I must go. Wait a minute. You must not be rude, soldier. Men are never rude to me. If I ask you to drink with us, you must. No, no, please, signorina. Some other time, perhaps. Now, now I must go. Ha! You are afraid of me. Afraid of girls. And afraid to drink beer. Oh, you should be back in your mama's lap, I think. <laughs> I will give you some beer now. Perhaps you will acquire a taste for it. Here. <laughs> she threw it in my face. I felt it start to trickle down my neck, and I could hear the Germans laughing themselves sick. I wanted to snap that small neck of hers in half for making me the center of attraction. Grazie, waiter.
sure. You are very sure you are not followed here to my house? Very sure, amico, and it's snowing again. Even the tracks from my snowshoes are covered. We must be careful, very careful, all of us partisans. The Germans are closing in on us. Do you know what would happen if they found out I took you in? An American. This would happen. But I tell you, there's nothing to worry about, and I'll be gone in the morning. Ah, the morning. One, one. All I want is a night's rest. There is a bed in the back room you may use, Senor Harper. You are sure you are not followed, very sure. Yes, yes, and I'll be gone in the morning before you're awake. You must think, Senor, that I am being in this business hospitable, but these times, they're very bad times for all of us. Yes, yes, I know. To live is important, too. <laughs> yes, in order to fight back later, one must leave now, no? Yes, yes, And the yes. Germans are clever. Very clever. If they knew you were here. <sighs> I was too tired to stand there and listen to the old man's whimpering. Too tired to watch his narrow eyes like small brown buttons dart about the room, looking first at the windows and then at the door, half expecting the Gestapo to come. All I wanted to do was sleep. I fell across the bed. But a few minutes later, I sat bolt upright, listening to the voices in the next room. Daughter is here, an American in the back room, sleeping. Are you sure? Are you sure he's an American, Father? His name is Harper. Donald Harper, Tony. The American OSS sent him. Oh, an American, eh? <laughs> oh, how the German police would like to know that. <laughs> that girl... The girl from the tavern, the friend of the Germans. I didn't stay to hear any more. There was a small door leading out to the back of the hut. I knew, Padre, that somehow I must have come to the wrong house. I didn't dare take any more chances and stop again until I reached my grandmother's. And I was so tired, so tired. Donaldo, mio. Donaldo. So good it is to see you again. Oh, Nana. Nana. Oh, but how you look. So thin, so tired. Nothing changes here, does it? It could be six years ago or ten. Hmm. Nana sitting here like this, in this house. Ah, oh, your mama, your papa, how are they? Mail does not come here easily any longer. You have heard from them? Yes, Nana, a few weeks ago. They're fine. They tried so hard to get you to America when the war came. I would not go anywhere, Don Mew. This is my home. No one could make me leave my home. Not the Germans, not the Fascisti. Here I stay until the world rights itself again. Oh, but what can I get you? The comedy. Make yourself comfortable. You are hungry. Yes, but I'm, I'm too tired to eat. I, I just want to sleep. Do then. I'll make up the room for you later. For now, rest here on this couch. When you awake, I will have food for you. Ah, like the old days, Carmio. My dear one. I'll be in the kitchen. Sleep now. Sleep. I don't know how long I slept. 
When I awoke, I wondered for a moment where I was. And then I saw her, standing over me. <laughs> oh, like a little boy you sleep. I've been watching you. You? What are you doing here? Watching you sleep. You don't drink beer, and you're afraid of girls, and you sleep like a little boy. You followed me here. You brought them. What have you done with my grandmother? What? I'll kill you. Oh. I should have killed you then. I will now. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're Donald, Donald. Friend of the Germans, you little she-devil, I'll kill you! Donald, here, here, what, what is going on? Nana, you all right? Of course I'm all right. What are you doing? Tony, what is wrong? Oh, your grandson has his mother's hot Italian blood in his veins. He wants to kill me, that's all. Oh, I'm ashamed oh. of you, Donaldo. This girl, she's a friend. Friend? I will get the soup for you, Signora Apicella. Perhaps some soup will cool his temper. But none, I... I saw that girl with the German. She's... Oh, she told me about that. She did not know who you were then. Yes, but She I... wondered why you disappeared from her father's house. She knew the name Donald Harper because she heard me speak of you often. So she came here after you. Nana, I... she saw you asleep. Then she understood why you had run away from her. She was with Germans. I was there. I heard... That girl, Donaldo, is the leader of our group of Parsons. Your leader? But the Germans... Oh, are... the Germans. I amuse them. Porky and Imali. I tell them funny stories and they laugh at me. Here's your soup. They do not hear me laugh when I get them drunk and they tell me things I can use to our advantage. Your soup. Drink it. Uh, Tony, I, I'm sorry. I understand. <laughs> que bella questa ragazza, Donaldo. No? Yes, no, no. The girl is very pretty. Oh, signora Apicella, you embarrass me. Uh, Donaldo? We are friends now? See? Si. See, si, Tony. Friends. <laughs> What are you doing? Oh, drawing diagrams, Nana. I've got all the plans made to blow up that highway early tomorrow morning, and I want to make sure nothing goes wrong. Here. I brought you something to eat. Oh, you'll spoil me, Nana. Mm. But it was good to have you spoil me again these past few days. Ah, how good it is to be able to. Will you leave, then, tomorrow, after you do what you have to do? Yes, I must, but... I'll come back to say goodbye first. Yeah. I come. I come. Joe, Signorina. Where is Donaldo? Tony, what are you doing here? Are you displeased to see me? Where is that partisan friend you were going to send to help me? Here. What? Me, 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 me. I am the friend. Oh, no. I can do as good a job as any man. Let me help you, Donaldo. No, it's crazy. Please, please, let me do oh, it. Girl, it's crazy. It is not crazy. Think, think what it will mean for me after you are gone from these mountains. Listening to my fat friends, the Germans, talk about the explosion. And to know secretly that it was I who helped to make it. Please, please. Donaldo. Mio. It's too late to get anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I waited so long. <laughs> the only man to get on this short notice is my papa, and he is a scared rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was right the first time. You are a little she-devil. That's <laughs> easy. Take her with you, Donaldo. All right, then. Pay attention to this diagram. Si. Now, there's a railway, as you know, going right over that highway. If we plant enough DNT to blow that right onto the road, it'll be blocked up for months. It was about four o'clock in the morning when we got to the highway and climbed up on the tracks of the railway. Tony stayed up above and I made my way slowly, slowly climbing down into the framework of the trestle, feeling my way along the girders. They were icy under my hands and two or three times I almost slipped. Careful! Careful, Donaldo. It's all right. Watch yourself. Watch how you handle those explosives. Do not trouble yourself about me. I told you I can work as well as any man. Then work as quietly as one. The troop train of Germans would be coming over the railway soon, and I had to finish before it came. I had a coil of wire around one arm and a pair of pliers hanging on a thong from my waist. Tony, you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Well, hand me down those packages of explosives, one at a time. Here? Here you are. Uh, all right, thanks. I shoved them in where I wanted them. Packed them close. Tony, the wedges... Quickly, don't be so slow about it. I'm doing it as fast as I can. There. All right. I lashed the grenade on top of the braced explosives, wound it tight with a wire, twisted it with pliers. Finally, I was finished. There was snow on the ground, and yet my shirt was wet with perspiration. All right. Last finishing touch. That does it for this side, Tony. Now let's get to the other side. See? Give me your pliers before you drop them. Okay. Oh, I, I have helped you much this far. See? See? You've helped me much. Let me do it. No, no, we haven't any time to argue. That train will be along any minute. Please, please let me set off the explosion. Let me have that pleasure. I will follow your directions. I will do it just the way you told me. No. I... The train, it's coming. Just tell me when to pull it. All right, you win. But heaven help you if you make a mistake. Hold it now, steady. And don't pull on the wire yet. Yes, I, I will pull it softly, softly, lightly, but firm. Here she comes. Pull it! Nana! Nana, it's done! And I pulled the wire, Signor Abicella. Nana! Nana, what is it? It is nothing. These attacks come on after. Uh, oh, Nana! Tony, some water, quick. No, I, I will stay with her, Donaldo. You must leave quickly. No, I'll stay. You go on. This section will be swarming with soldiers after what we've just done. And if they find you, they'll wonder what you're doing here. Men do not know how to take care of the sick. I will stay and help you. All right. Get the water.
You, you should not have stayed on me. I, I would have been all right. All right, don't talk. Just rest. Donaldo! What is it? Germans coming to this house. I can see from the window. Oh, no. No, no, you should have gone before, not no, waited. No, 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 it's all right. Donaldo, do this one thing more, more for me. I won't leave while you hold them off for me. Is that what you want? I know them. I am a favorite of theirs. Please, Caro mio, you can escape and do more important work. And I will not be harmed if I stay behind. She is right, my son. Escape, escape. There is still time. The girl knows them. Upstairs, upstairs. They may be around the back, too, so go upstairs. Jump from the window to the roof of the barn. You can make it from there. No, Tony. Go, 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 I say. Promise not to turn back. Promise. I ran up the stairs to the tiny attic. I heard the door close downstairs, so I knew they had come in. I could distinguish their voices, too, although I couldn't hear a word they were saying. I opened the window and saw it was an easy jump to the roof. Then Tony screamed. And I forgot my promise to her and went back, flattened myself against the wall at the head of the staircase. No, no, no. I have done nothing but... I came here to take care of this I surprised the first German when I jumped him, brought the butt of my gun down on his head again and again. But the other German was not so simple a matter. He had my shoulders pinned down, and I couldn't move. Then, then I saw Tony standing over us, a heavy candelabrum in her hand. Good work, Tony. Now listen to me carefully, Tony. Take my grandmother back to your house. No one will know you were here. If others question you, tell them my grandmother was here alone when someone, a stranger, took refuge here and killed the officers who came. Then she went to your house because she was afraid. Will, will you remember that? All of it. Will you be back? Will I ever see you again? Who knows? Perhaps. Perhaps. Carlina. Carlina, my, my dear little Tony. Now go. Go quickly. She did. I wanted to tell you, Padre, that not everything that's on my way here. You, you will hide me. Rest easy. If they come, you I will do what I can for you. What right are you coming in like this, breaking down the door? Do not make trouble, Padre, I warn you. No, no, this it, is the house it, of God. It's all right, Padre. It's all right. No, 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 you're mistaken. My name is not Donald Harper. I'm an Italian soldier. I, I was lost in the snow. I... My, my papers are gone. Come, come, this is tiresome. Admit it. You are the American who blew up the highway. Answer. You are mistaken, Herr Hauptmann. You are mistaken. Ah, we will see. Sergeant, send in the old man. Your Herr Hauptmann. 
Who's that with you? See, Papa. Who's that with you? See, see, I come. I come. What? I... <laughs> you recognize him, I see. Excellent, Emir. What is this man's name? Be heist him. Harper. Harper. Donald Harper. The senor is an American. Now I have told you, you will let us alone, see. You have talked enough, Donna. You will leave my daughter and me alone, and the old lady too, now that I have told you. We have done nothing to do with it. Any yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. But you will not tell my daughter. You promise, remember. She has a soft heart. It would distress her. Take him away, God. You, you will let us alone now, on, see. Come. See, we are on your Come side. On. Loyal fascisti. You have nothing to say. Everything has been said for me. That highway has been completely destroyed. I'm delighted to hear it. That many loyal soldiers as I have been killed. Well, thank you for telling me. And what is more, you are in Italian uniform. A spy. Bullets are too good to waste on you, American. But a rope can be used again. Sergeant! Yeah, Hartman. Take this man out and hang him. <laughs> But I cannot do this. You will do as you are told, Herr Doctor. Here is the death certificate of the American who was hanged this morning. Sign it. And the cause of death you wanted, I should write. <laughs> as I told you. Just as I told you. Heart failure. A pity. <laughs> Some weeks later, two retreating German battalions found their escape through the Brenner Pass blocked. Captain Harper had done his job well, and the onrushing American troops caught the enemy with their backs to a mountain. Though Donald Harper did not live to see victory, he shared in it. And once again, the record of an OSS agent closes with the words, Mission accomplished. A further adventure in black warfare is next week's... Cloak and Dagger. Heard in today's Cloak and Dagger adventure were Everett Sloan, Hester Sondergaard, Barry Kroger... Louis Soren, Virginia Payne, Raymond Edward Johnson, Carl Weber, and Boris Aplin. Script was by Winifred Wolfe. Music was under the direction of John Gart. Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Louis G. Cowan production in association with Alfred Hollander and was under the direction and supervision of Sherman Marks. Stay tuned for a new feature, Cloak and Dagger, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. I'm pleased to present a new show to you tonight, Cloak and Dagger. It was an adventure radio series on NBC, adapted from Corey Ford and Alistair McBain's book of the same title. The story ran during the World War II era, where OSS agents took dangerous missions without any assurance that they may return alive. Now, an episode that first aired in 1950, 
the Brenner Pass. Silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. From Hollywood, International Silver Company, creators of International Sterling, presents The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, starring America's favorite young couple, Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. It's uphill all the way from the bus stop at the corner to the Nelson's house at 1847 Rogers Road. A good hard climb, especially at the end of a long day. But say, look at Ozzie Nelson coming up the grade. Knees pounding up and down like pistons, elbows working, chin up, nose out, cutting the wind. Oh, he's in great form tonight. Hey, look at that man go, full speed. Now he's approaching the house, and he turns in without slowing down. A fast, banking turn. Watch that loose board on the step, Ozzy. Oh, he jumped right over it. Like a man with wings, he's on the porch, through the door, and into the house. Uh, Harriet! I'm in the living room, dear. For goodness sakes, who's been chasing you? Oh, nobody. It's just so nice and crisp out, I felt like walking fast. It's a lot of fun walking up that hill real fast. I dare you to tell that to the mailman. No, no, I really mean it sends the blood surging through you. What's the matter? What do you mean? For your face. You asking a question or registering a complaint? (laughs) You seem to be terribly concerned about something. Oh, I'm just a little bit worried, I guess. Worried? What about? Oh, nothing important, really. Now, if it's important enough to worry about, then it must be important. No, honestly, it really isn't. Now, Harriet, the worst thing in the world to do is to keep your troubles to yourself. If you have any worries, get them out in the open. Nine times out of ten, you'll find out you didn't have anything to worry about in the first place. Well, this isn't anything like that, dear. Well, any kind of a worry is a treacherous thing. Does things to you, beats you down, wears you down to a frazzle. Well, I appreciate your concern, dear, well, but really... of course it... I'm concerned. I think I want people to go around saying, look at that poor guy, he's married to a frazzle. <laughs> Come on now, what's bothering you? Well, okay. I went down to the Emporium today and I saw some drapes I thought would look nice in our living room. Is that all? Oh, for goodness sakes, Harry, we're not living in the Middle Ages, you know. What do you mean, dear? You were afraid that I, the lord of the manor, would chop off your head just because you looked at some new drapes? Well, not exactly. It's just... Well, what did you think I'd do? Have a fit of temper, throw a tantrum and rant and rave? Silly thing to worry about. You have my full permission to go downtown tomorrow and buy the new drapes. Thank you, dear. Now, is that all you're worried about? No. I'm worried about how they'll look when they're delivered. I already bought them this afternoon. (laughs) I was just afraid the color might not be quite right. Well, worrying about it won't do any good. Why don't you wait and see? You liked them when you saw them down at the Emporium, didn't you? Well, yes, but suppose they don't look as good in our living room as they did in the Emporium window. Then maybe the Emporium will let us move into their window. Well, they're pretty expensive. Be awful if they turned out badly. Look, you're not going to help anybody worrying about it. They'll probably be the best drapes we ever had. Is that you, boy? Yeah, Mom. 
It's us. It's us. What are you guys so down in the mouth about? What's going on around here today? David had an arithmetic test today, and he's worried. Did you have a test, too? No, not me. Just David. And what are you so worried about? Nothing. I'm just helping David. <laughs> well, why are you so worried about your arithmetic test, David? Well, because arithmetic is my worst subject. Do you think you failed? Well, I don't know. They won't tell us till tomorrow. Well, then what's the sense of worrying about it? Because arithmetic is my worst subject. All right, then, since you know that arithmetic is your worst subject, did you study everything you were supposed to know on the test? Oh, sure. And did you concentrate while you were taking it? Of course, Pop. Did you go back and check all your problems? Every one. All right. You did all those things, and why isn't it logical to assume you have nothing to worry about? Because arithmetic is my worst subject. <laughs> Don't you see, David, if you did everything you possibly could to pass the test, there's no point in worrying about it? You did the best you could. That's all you can do. Well, I never looked at it that way, Pop. I guess you're right. Of course I'm right. I probably passed the test okay. Maybe I even got 100. That's possible. Thanks, Pop. I won't worry about it anymore. That's the spirit, son. But just in case I didn't pass, Ricky, you better keep on worrying. <laughs> okay, let's go out in bed and throw the football around. Okay. Come on, I'll get the ball. Well, I have to give you credit, dear. You're really the happy gloom chaser tonight. I never saw such a family of warriors, even the boys. You must get it from your side of the family. <laughs> didn't your father used to worry a lot? Yes, he did, dear. Every time I went out with you. <laughs> only worried about that old jalopy I used to drive you around in. Well, he just couldn't understand why you didn't have a steering wheel. <laughs> you and David are just like your father. David worries about his arithmetic test, and yet he knows he did everything possible to pass it. You worry about your new drapes being the wrong color, and you haven't even put them up yet. Well, that's easy enough to say, dear, but you can't turn worries off and on like a faucet, you know. Now look at it this way. I took the car to the garage today. I could sit here and worry that maybe it's going to cost a lot of money to fix it. Well, I hope not. With Christmas coming, we have enough expenses right now. Well, it probably won't, but suppose it does. There's no point worrying about it. If it costs a lot of money, it costs a lot of money, that's all. And there's nothing you or I can do about it. I suppose so. You're a regular rock of Gibraltar tonight, dear. Oh, and in case you're worried about where I'm going, I'm going down to the drugstore and get some ice cream for dessert. Oh, while you're down there, will you see if you can pick up a glamorous woman? I presume that's the title of a magazine Well, of course, dear Don't you think I have enough to worry about with the drapes? Did you want some ice cream, Mr. Nelson? Uh, Mr. Nelson? Mm, no, I'm sorry, Charlie I was busy looking at this magazine uh, What'd you say? Did you want some ice cream? Uh, yes, please. A quart of chocolate and vanilla. Hi, Oz. Oh, hello there, Thorny. Harriet said I'd find you down here. What are you reading there? Oh, uh, one of these silly women's magazines. Harriet asked me to pick it up for her, just looking over this article. What is it? Stop worrying. Yeah, a, a whole big deal about people worrying. You know, same old junk. <laughs> Listen to this. We want to sweep the worry clouds from our mental storehouse and take a new lease on life. This gal claims that 90% of all people worry 90% of the time. Do you believe that, Thorny? I don't know, Oz. She may be right. Oh, it's ridiculous. You don't worry especially, do you? Well, of course I do. Matter of fact, if you want to be honest about it, I think everybody does. Got a whole list of questions here you're supposed to ask yourself. 
Are you troubled by tension? Do you lie awake at night? Are you troubled by anxiety? Do you fear the future? Are you worried? Yes. <laughs> Are you worried about living beyond your means? Are you concerned about little ailments? Like a pain Are in you... my right shoulder? Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of stuff. Things that people always worry about but seldom have. Oz, do you Are ever you... Uh, get a sort of a shooting pain in your right shoulder? Right about here? It, it comes and goes. Oh, about every two or three minutes. <laughs> you see, Thorny, you even do it. Just suggest something that other people worry about, and right away you have a symptom. Oh, I haven't got it now, Oz. I just have it sometimes. Don't you ever have it? Oh, well, sometimes, and I've been bowling a lot, or I happen to sleep on in a peculiar position. Everybody has things like that, but I'm not going to worry about it, that's for sure. Here you are, Mr. Nelson, a quart of chocolate and vanilla. Oh, thank you, Charlie. Now, you take Charlie here. I'll bet he never worries about anything. Do you, Charlie? I try not to. Of course, I'm sort of a cheerful person by nature, but worry can be a terrible thing, gentlemen. Yes, sir, I think it's the cause of more evil dispositions than anything else in the world. Oh, it sure can bring a person down. Have you ever met my wife, Mr. Nelson? <laughs> oh, I don't think I have. Is she a worrier? Uh, she used to be, yeah. I'd come home of an evening, and there she'd sit worrying and worrying. She just made everybody around her miserable. And you decided to do something about it? Well, sir, I figured the best way to make a person stop worrying is to get his mind off it. So every time I'd come home and find her with a long face, I'd give her the old worry treatment. Oh, what would you do, Charlie? Well, sir, I'd go out to the kitchen... Get me a couple of ice cubes, sneak up behind her, and drop them right down her back. <laughs> and, and that worked? Absolutely. She's like a new woman. I met her last night for the first time since our divorce, and she's the happiest woman I've ever seen. <laughs> Here you are, Mr. Nelson. Quart of chocolate and vanilla. <laughs> magazine for me, dear? Ozzie? Mm, oh, I, I'm sorry, dear. What did you say? Did you get my magazine? Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm just reading an article in it. Would you like to read it? No. Go ahead. I'll read it later. Yeah. Boy, that dinner was terrific. I think I ate a little too much. This belt must be shrinking or something. I have to unfasten all the time after a big meal. What's the article about, dear? Oh, one of those things with a list of questions you're supposed to ask yourself. One of my, are you afraid you're living beyond your means? Isn't everybody? And uh, are you slipping? Are you slipping, dear? <laughs> no, but your pants are. <laughs> Better fasten that belt again. Now listen to this. Are you losing your old friends? Well, are we? Of course not. We have the same old friends we've always had. Except maybe they're a little older. Thornberrys, the Dunkles, the Randolphs, the Hodges, all the same old friends. Parties, outings together, good times. Uh, where is it we were invited for New Year's Eve? No place, dear. <laughs> are you sure? I thought you said somebody invited us to a party or something. No, not that I know of. What are the other questions in the article? Oh, it's the silly stuff. Do you feel that people are avoiding you? <laughs> Does it seem you are less popular than you once were? Well, that's a standard thing, isn't it? Oh, sure, but the idea of printing these things, telling a person how to stop worrying, such dull, stupid stuff isn't even interesting. Let me read you some more. Are you having difficulty making new friends? Do you feel that old friends are deliberately avoiding you? 
That's silly. What's silly about it? Well, for one thing, the idea of telling you to ask yourself these idiotic questions. They immediately assume that everybody who reads the magazine talks to himself. Wouldn't be so bad if the questions made sense. You feel that people are deliberately avoiding you. It's getting late, dear. Let's go to bed. Are all the doors locked? I think so, if I do. Well, we don't want prowlers walking through the house in the middle of the night. Well, I don't know. With Ricky's roller skates scattered around, a prowler would never get past the dining room. <laughs> Something the matter, dear? No. Just got sort of a slight pain in my right shoulder. <laughs> What's the matter, dear? How long has it been since we've seen the Randolphs? Oh, it's been quite a while. Why? Well, didn't we invite them over a couple of weeks ago? Yes, we did, but they had another engagement. They couldn't come. Doesn't that seem like a weak excuse? <laughs> well, how'd you happen to start thinking about the Randolphs? Oh, I was just lying here, thinking. What was that noise? I didn't hear any noise. Sound like a loose shingle on the roof. One <laughs> of this roof will last through the winter. I'll go to sleep. Harriet. Yes? Do you remember if I locked the garage door? <laughs> the car isn't there, dear. You left it at the shop. Oh, yeah. And imagine all the things that mechanic's going to find wrong with it. Probably tell me we need a new motor. I wonder what a new motor costs. <laughs> Car isn't worth that much. Drag it away to the junkyard. <clears throat> Ozzy, if you don't stop tossing, you're going to fall out of bed. Read in the paper today about a man who rolled out of bed and broke his leg. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, this bed is pretty high. I think I'll sleep on the floor. <laughs> I hope I can get an appointment with Dr. Brown tomorrow. Well, for goodness sakes, what for? This right shoulder of mine is just killing me. The smiling, cheery-faced, devil-may-care Ozzie who came striding up Rogers Road? Can this be the same man who cautiously picks his way up the street? Wearing a belt and suspenders, galoshes over his rubbers, a raincoat over his topcoat, and carrying an umbrella. Yes, sir, it's Ozzie. Now he's leaving the sidewalk and circling out into Mr. Thornbury's yard. Oh, I see a limb on the oak tree hangs over the sidewalk. It could fall on a man's head. Now he's walking along under the eaves of Mr. Thornbury's house. Well, there's an airplane flying over, and you never can tell when a wheel might drop off. Now he slips across the lawn, up the front steps, carefully avoiding the loose board, and into the house.
Uh, yes, yes, dear. Come in the living room. I want you to see the drapes. Oh, are, are those the ones you bought? Aren't they lovely? You were right. It was silly of me to worry about them. They match perfectly. Don't they seem to be a little long? Dragging back and forth on the floor is going to wear them out, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's the way they're supposed to be. Look at the material. See how well they're made? What are you doing? Just uh, feeling this material. Doesn't look like it'd clean very well. Some of this fabric shrinks right up to nothing, you know. Well, it's supposed to clean very well. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed? Who guaranteed it? The people who made it. What people? Do you know the people who made this material? <laughs> well, of course I don't know Then them. how do you know they'll make good on their guarantee? Well, it's a reputable firm. That ought to mean something. Who says they're reputable? The sales lady at the Emporium. I suppose the sales lady at the Emporium knows the people who made the material. And who knows the sales lady at the Emporium? I don't. Well, I do, and she's quite honest. And the drapes will clean. Suppose they don't wear. They'll wear. Suppose they wear out. They won't wear out. Suppose they don't wear out. You mean to say we have to look at these same drapes for the rest of our lives? <laughs> Ozzie, for heaven's sakes, what's gotten into you? Hey, Oh, hi, Pop. Hello, David. You were sure right about that arithmetic test, Pop. I didn't have a thing to worry about. You mean you got 100? No, but I got 87. Well, good for you, David. 87? Well, that doesn't sound like such a high mark to me, son. Well, Billy Johnson only got 88, and his mother's the teacher. <laughs> Honest, Pop, 87 is considered awful good. Well, I hope so. Be awful careful about those teachers, though, especially arithmetic teachers. They can be very tricky. Give you a good mark just to get you overconfident. Then on the next exam, wham, they give you the works. <laughs> I don't think so, Pop. Don't worry, I'll do okay. I'm going to get a glass of milk. Ozzie, what's gotten into you? Ever since you read the article in my magazine last night, you've been worrying about everything. Did you pick up the car tonight at the garage? Oh, yeah. It, it wasn't as bad as they thought it would be. Just something wrong with the carburetor. Cost uh, $3.13. Well, that ought to make you feel a little better. I don't know. It didn't sound right to me coming home. There's a, a clicking sound in the motor. It sounds like it's going to fall apart at any minute. No, that's ridiculous. You got home all right in it, didn't you? No, I didn't. You didn't? What happened? I left it down at the gas station to have the oil changed. Well, what I mean is there's nothing wrong with the car. What's happening to you, dear? I thought you never worried about anything. Well, it's just that all of a sudden, everything has started piling up on me. Your drapes can't be cleaned or they'll wear out. David's having all that trouble with his schoolwork. The car won't run. I had to walk home the rest of the way. Now, Ozzy, you're just letting your imagination run away with you. You said yourself you left the car at the gas station, and David isn't having trouble with his schoolwork, and my drapes can be cleaned. Now, stop worrying. I'm not worried, Harriet. You know I don't worry. Did you see Dr. Brown about your shoulder today? Oh, Yes. What did he say? He said to stop worrying. <laughs> oh, hello, everybody. Oh, hi, Emmy Lou. Come on in. Oh, my, what a pretty dress. Oh, do you like it? It's very attractive, Emmy Lou, but try not to build your hopes too high. What do you mean, Mr. Nelson? Well, it's obvious you got the dress to wear to a Christmas party, but I mean, don't feel too let down if something goes wrong. Ozzy, what are you talking about? Well, you know how things can happen. She might get all dressed, ready to go to the party, looking forward to a wonderful evening. Of course, Mr. Nelson. No, 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 that's just it. The last minute, your boyfriend may call up. He can't make it. His hot rod is frozen up. <laughs> Maybe his father won't lend him his tuxedo. Everybody else is going to the party, and there you sit alone in your room. Broken-hearted. 
But that can't happen, Mr. Nelson. Oh, you never can tell anything. But it can't. The party was last night. I went with my boyfriend and I had a wonderful time. <laughs> You're brave, Emmy. You'd say you did even if you didn't. If you folks will excuse me now, I think I'll go upstairs and clean up. Uh, where are my rubber-soled sneakers, Harriet? On the shelf in the closet. Why? I think I'll take a shower, and that tile is pretty slippery. <laughs> Yes, David? Pop doesn't seem very happy today. What's wrong? He seems terribly worried about everything, doesn't he? He sure does. What's that magazine? Oh, this is the one that Daddy was reading last night. And there's an article in here that gives me a wonderful idea. What are you going to do? Uh, you wait and see. What's the matter, Harriet? Nothing, dear. I was just thinking. Anything wrong? No, I was just thinking. Suppose something serious is wrong with a car. It'll take an awful lot of money to fix it. Well, of course. That's what I... Well, we're not sure there's anything really wrong with it. Chances are it's perfectly all right. Stop worrying. Well, I'm not worried. I was just thinking. And then I got to thinking about the Randolphs. It does seem strange they didn't accept our invitation last week. Well, I don't see anything strange about it. If they had a previous engagement, you certainly wouldn't expect them to break it just to come over here. Your shoulder's bothering you again, isn't it? What shoulder? Your right one. Oh. The one that's been giving you so much trouble, you seem to be favoring it. Do you think it's anything serious? Oh, dear, it's fine. Will you stop worrying? Say you haven't by any chance been reading that article in the magazine, have you? How to Stop Worrying? You mean the one that started you worrying? What makes you say that? Simply the fact that ever since you've read it, you've done nothing but worry and lie awake at night. You mean you don't think the article's any good? There's nothing wrong with the article. It's just you didn't read the last page. On the last page, it tells you exactly how to stop worrying. And you read the last page? Of course, and it works. It says if you want to stop a person from worrying, take his mind off himself and make him worry about somebody else. You mean that's what you just did? Of course, dear. You were worrying yourself sick, so I may believe I was worried, and you snapped right out of it. You must admit it worked beautifully, didn't it? Yes, I, I think it did. What makes you think I didn't read the last page? Well, if you'd read the last page... to stop me from worrying? Are you happy with the drapes, dear? Of course. You're not worried about them anymore? No, of course not. And David isn't worried about his arithmetic? Not anymore. Pretty good article, wasn't it? <laughs> Ozzy, how clever of you, dear. And what a wonderful way to teach us a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> just one thing, though, Harriet. It might be just as well if you don't tell anybody about this. But why, dear? Well, it'd upset the whole formula. The husband is supposed to be the bumbling, bumbling, stupid one who makes all the mistakes. It's the wife who's supposed to be the clever, level-headed one who straightens things out. Are you sure you were just making believe you were worried? Oh, You really put on quite an act. The roof leaking, losing all our friends, your aching shoulder. Are you sure you got all that from the last page of the article? Uh, no, dear, I'll have to confess. 
I got the whole idea from an old Chinese proverb. Would you like to hear it? Not especially. <laughs> old Chinese proverb say, when wife start to worry about living room drape, she give husband a big pain in the shoulder. <laughs> Yeah? Oh, I hoped it was you. What are you doing prowling around the kitchen in the middle of the night? Oh, I, I just thought I'd get a glass of milk. I'm having a little trouble getting to sleep. Don't tell me you're still worrying. Well, to be honest with you, I, I guess I am just a, a little bit. I'm not sort of in the habit of it, teaching you and the boys a lesson. You going to get something to eat, too? No, dear. I just heard about a wonderful way to get a person's mind off his worries. I don't look. It's a surprise. Well, I'm not going to drink any hot milk if that's what you're trying to get me. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Charlie at the drugstore told me of a fiendish thing that he used to do. It seems... As... <laughs> now, that's not funny. Besides, he used ice cubes. I know, dear, but ice cream is much messier. <laughs> next week to another adventure of Ozzie and Harriet starring Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. And remember, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. Yes, Harriet, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. Appearing in support of Ozzie and Harriet were John Brown, Tommy Bernard, Henry Blair, Janet Waldo, and Jack Kirkwood. Original music was composed and conducted by Billy May. This is Vern Smith speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Burns and Allen, followed by Escape Theater. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.